We are back. This is Lady Tiffany Ma, and this is My Mind Emporium. This is part two of The Watcher of six seven of 657 Boulevard. Or I just call it The Watcher. Um, we were lost talking, we were talking about, um, dang, I forgot what my spot was at. <laughs> but we are talking about The Watcher of 657 Boulevard, uh, a, a a young family named the Brodices moved into the house and then they mysteriously started getting letters from someone called the Watcher. Um, and he basically said that his father before him and the father before him were watching the house and that this was his house and that they changed the house and the house was no longer his, honey. I mean, it was just weird. Just weird. So, this will be part two and I'm starting at the spot where it says from a safer distance the watcher was a real life mystery to solve a commentator on NG suggests ground penetrating radar to find whatever the watcher claimed was in the wall the home inspectors had already looked and told Derek the only issue was the aging home lacks of insulation a group of Reddit users obsessed over Google Maps Street View, which show a car parked in front of 657. The one user thought had a man holding the camera in the driver's seat. Other more, ra more rationally saw pixelated glare. The range of the proposed suspect includes a jilted mistress, a spare realtor, and I feel like I already read this. Okay, I think I stopped at this was to this was news to six five seven neighbors. Okay, I'm gonna start right there. <laughs> this was news to six five seven neighbors, most of whom have never heard from the cop. We are confounded as to how a thorough investigation can be conducted without talking to all the neighbors with proximity to the home. Several of them wrote in a letter to the local paper under the glare of national attention. Baron Chambliss, a veteran detective in Westfield Police, was asked to look at the case. The Brodices are victims, and I don't think they got the support they needed. Chambliss, who has since retired, told me recently of the initial investigation. Chambliss knew that Chuck colleague has looked closely at Michael Langford. According to his brother, Sandy Langford, Michael has been diagnosed with schizophrenia as a young man. He sometimes spooked newcomers in the neighborhood when he did strange things, like walk through their backyard or peek into the window of the homes that were being renovated. But those who know him told me that the odd thing he did were mostly just unusual neighborly kindness. He goes out, out out and gets a newspaper from me every morning, said John Schmidt, who lived next door. People who have known Michael for decades told me they didn't think he was capable of writing the letter. Hmm. So in this case, for me, I think there's like, so far, there's like, to me, three suspects. All right. The three suspects I have in my head is the lady in the beginning who said Youngblood. The neighbor that said Youngblood, she a suspect. Another suspect, of course, is somebody from the Langford family. And the other suspect is, I think, somebody that works in the police department themselves. Moving right along. 
As Chambliss looked into the case, he discovered something surprising. Investigators had eventually conducted a DNA analysis at one of the tape envelopes and determined that the DNA belonged to a woman. Chambliss decided to look more closely at Abby Langford, Michael's sister, who worked as a real estate agent. Oh, oh. We got a Langford. Was she upset about missing a commission right next door? She also worked at the local Lord and Taylor, and the Chambliss coordinated with a security guard there to nab her plastic water bottle during the shift. But Chambliss said the DNA sample was not a match. Not long after, the prosecutor officer gave Derek and Marie some unexpected news. They wouldn't say why or how they had ruled out the Lamperts as suspects. The brothers were stunned. They had recently told the prosecutors that they planned to file several charges against the Lampert and wondered if the prosecutors were lying to prevent the story from blowing up again. My family moved to the boulevard in 1961 and we never caused a problem for anybody, Sandy Lampert told me. This guy gets all these letters and all of a sudden people are pointing fingers. Left without a suspect, the Bronises reopened their personal investigation. They were still coy about sharing too much with their neighbors who remained in the pool of suspects, but spent an afternoon walking the block with pictures of the Rogers handwriting, handwritten envelope. They hoped someone might recognize the writing from a Christmas card, but the only notable encounter came when an older man who lived behind 657 said his son joked that the watches sounded a little bit like him. A neighbor across the street was the CEO of Crawl, the security firm, and the Brodices hired the company to look for handwriting matches, but they found nothing. They also hired Robert Leonard, a renowned forensic linguistic, and found members of the band Shanana, who did not, who didn't find any noteworthy. I'm sorry, it's the name Shanana, who didn't find any noteworthy overlap when he scored local online forums for similarities to the watchers' writing. Although he did think the author might watch Game of Thrones. Jon Snow is one of the watchers on the wall. At one point, Derek persuaded a friend in tech to connect him to a hacker willing to try breaking into a Wi-Fi network in the neighborhood to look for incriminating documents. But doing so turned out to be both legal, both illegal and more different than movies make it seem, so they didn't go through with it. Chambliss and the Westfield police were also back at square one. The cops asked Andrea Woods for a DNA sample and interviewed her 21-year-old son, who was surprised to find that he suddenly seemed to be a suspect. A year after the fact, it was hard to find fresh leaves. The initial police canvas had been so porous that it might miss a significant clue. Around the same time, the Brodices had received their first letter. Another family on the boulevard got a similar note from the watcher. Parents of that family had lived in their house for years and their kids were grown, so they threw their letters away just as the woods had. But after the news broke, one of, the, broke, one of their, their children posted about it on Facebook, then deleted the post. When investigators spoke to the family, they confirmed that the letter had been similar to the Brodices, but its existence only made the case more confusing. There wasn't a whole lot to go on, Chambliss told me. One night, Chambliss and his partner were sitting in the back of a van parked on Boulevard, watching the house through a pair of binoculars. Around 11 p.m., a car stopped in front of the house long enough for the Chambliss to grow suspicious. He said he chased the car to a young woman in a nearby town whose boyfriend lived on the same block at 757. The woman told Chambliss her boyfriend was into some real dark video games, including in Chambliss' memory, one in which he was playing a specific character the Watcher. As for the female DNA, Chambliss figured the girlfriend or someone else could have helped. 
The boyfriend was living elsewhere at the time, but Chandler said he agreed to come in for an interview or and or interview on two separate occasions. He didn't show up either time. Chambliss didn't have enough evidence to compel him to appear. But with the MED attention dying down, he dropped the case and moved on. While the Rodizers continued to be consumed by the stress and fear for the rest of Westfield, the story became little more than a creepy urban, le urban legend. A house to walk by on Halloween if you were brave enough. No one who had lived in the house before the woods could recall anything unusual and it was hard for people to imagine that the idyllic neighborhood would be host to something so sinister. A woman who lived nearby told me that after news broke, she and 10 or so of the neighbors had gathered in the street to puzzle out who might have sent the letters. Eventually, she said they came to a consensus. Maybe the brothers had sent the letters to themselves. Ooh, now we got suspect number three. The Brodices themselves. You know, I was suspecting that the wife could have done it. I'm not quite sure, but once again, we said in the beginning of the article that the wife was treated for PTSD. So, could it have been the husband that did it so he could get out of paying all the bills? Because he did get a mortgage on this house. And did he lie about how much money he was making in his finances? We'll find out. The theory so far as it went was the Brodices had suffered buyer's remorse and realized they couldn't afford the home and concocted an elaborate scheme to get out of the sale. Or Derek was cooking up some kind of insurance fraud. Or they were angling for a movie deal. The Brodices received several offers but turned them down. Lifetime eventually released a movie called The Watcher despite a cease and desist letter from the Brodices arguing that the couple is in the movie was biracial and the letter was signed The Raven. Some locals found it noteworthy that over the course of decades, the Brodices had upgraded from a $315,000 home to a $770,000 home to a $1.3 million one and refinanced their mortgage. A few weeks after the letter became public, the Westfield Leaders published an article in which anonymous neighbors were quoted asking why the Brodices kept reinventing, renovating the home they were moving into or questioning whether they had really done that much renovating at all. The leader, even cast doubt on Maria's commitment to her family's safety, citing as evidence the fact that she had put a public Facebook page with a photo of her kids. The paper did not did note that the police had tested Maria's DNA and it didn't match. Alright, so it wasn't Maria. Okay. Possibly it was a husband trying to stunt and cap and you know, you know how us new money people do. You know, we get new money and we buy stuff and then we regret it later and be like, uh oh. All right, so how am I going to get out of this? That's what you new money folks do, honey. Now, the theories made much logical sense. The Brodices had answers to every question. How does someone go from a $300,000 home to a $1.3 million home in 10 years? Derek told me it's America. But they weren't speaking publicly and the room persisted. One Boulevard resident wrote a letter to the editor arguing that a elaborate scheme is underway to defraud the Woods family for millions of dollars. Chandler's told me some Westfield cops even bought into theory. That was even more skeptical line. I lived in a neighborhood town, neighboring town. If these letters had been happening for a while, there is doubt in my mind that it would have been made public by way before this, Lord Fluffernutter said on Reddit. This screams scam. So they call them, they call the brothers out on a bull. They let you know, you know, nobody ever said this is going on. But keep in mind, also, the Woods said that they were getting letters, but they kind of ignored it. So, you know, and the police kept it on a wrap. 
So that's why I say police are suspects too in this because what if they were playing a prank and this was like kind of an initiation into the neighborhood? right along the brothers had known how their neighbors would react to news about the watcher but they had lived in the area for a decade and maria family had been part of the community for much longer so it was shocking to find themselves accused of being a con artist to derek it seems that some in westfield preferred the conspiracy theory to considering whether their town might be home to a menace there's a natural tendency to say, I lived here for 35 years and nothing happened to me, Derek said. What happened to my family is a front to their contention that they're safe, that there is no such thing as mental illnesses in their community. People don't want to believe this could happen in Westfield. While Maria looked fondly back, looked back fondly on her childhood, she was born a few years after Westfield resident John List infamously murdered his wife, mother, and three children in their home. Remember a period when she and other kids were warned to look out for a stranger van driving around town. My mother always told me don't have a false sense of security, she said. It wasn't that bad things were going on all the time. It was that bad things happened everywhere. She didn't want me to think that this was Mayberry, or this is Mayberry. So wait a minute, John List did all that shit there? What? Oh, man. So these, these, parents, these people are probably invaded by their body snatchers or something. I don't know what's going on here. This sounds weird. Um, <clears throat> Many locals I spoke to did seem more concerned that the national press might ruin Westfield's good name. Some were primarily worried about the arson and vandalism or whether the Brodices would maintain the lawn. They did. Mark LaGrippo, the neighborhood's representative on the Westfield Town Council, told me the primary concern he had he heard from residents was that they were worried about their property value and the stigma of the neighborhood. Yeah, see, that's all they care about. They don't give a freak about this lady and this man and their children. They don't care. It's like, I don't want my property value to go down because it's a killer here. Even though John List was here. Hmm. My guess is there's not many black people here neither on Boulevard. The Brodices were suddenly outcast not only from their homes, but also their town. Derek wanted to leave Westfield, but Maria insists on not uprooting her kids. This person took so much from us, Maria told me. I went and let them take more. Two years after the watch's letters arrived, the Brodices borrowed money from family members to buy a second home in Westfield using an LLC to keep the location private. But staying in town was stressful. The first time Maria let her daughter go to the pool with friends, she stared at the tracker on her daughter's iPhone the whole time. One of the kids were in language art class when the teacher led, in a, led a debate about whether the family in the book they were reading about should move to Westfield. The class thought they should in part because of how safe it was. Afterwards, when the kids saw the brother's child, my parents told me that no matter what your family says, Westfield is safe. Ooh, this sounds like y'all bullying these people. Maybe the town in Westfield was doing it. Maybe the whole town was in on this. This sounds pretty much like the whole town was in on it. The whole town was in on it. <laughs> yeah, the town was in on this. 
they were like, look, we don't like these people. This guy is a come-upper. He ain't born for money. He just came into money. We don't like these people. Meanwhile, the Brotherson still had to figure out what to do with 657 Boulevard. The lawsuit was pending but seemed unlikely to succeed. Some state required sellers to disclose transient social conditions like murder or possible hauntings. In 1991, case involving an alleged Goldsfield house in New York court ruled that as a matter of law, the house is haunted. But New Jersey, New Jersey has no such regulation. A judge later dismissed the lawsuit and was through their attorney declined to comment for this story. Jared looking to rent the house to the Department of Veterans Affairs and the company that runs halfway houses. Y'all do not care about nobody. <laughs> No, just, let's just give it to the veterans, you know. They're used to crazy and weird stuff happening. Or why don't we just do it in the halfway house for the criminals? Like, come on. In the spring of 2016, they put 657 back on the market, hoping it might garner more interest, given how many people have reacted to the letters by saying they would have ignored them and just moved in. The Brotherses held a well-attended home opening, open house, I mean... After which Derek and Maria spent hours researching every person who signed in, comparing their handwriting to the watchers. But each time a potential buyer expressed interest and met with the Brotherses lawyer, lawyer to read the letter, they back out. Some cocky guy from Staten Island said, "Fuck it, I'm going to get a house at at discount." Derek recalled, "He read the letter and we never heard from him again." Feeling as they were out of options, the Brodus' real estate lawyer proposed an idea, sell the house to a developer who could tear it down and spill, split the property into two selling seller homes. They thought they would get $1, $1 million for the lot. Subdivision like this had become common in Westfield, much to the chagrin of many locals, and 657 was one of the neighborhood's largest lots. Even so, dividing it would provide the Westfield Plenty Board to grant an exception. The two small lots would be 67.4 and 67.6 feet wide, just shy of the mandated 70 feet. When the proposal were publicly announced, Westfield Facebook group lit up. Some expressed sympathy for the Brodices, while others pointed out real estate is always a gamble. Another faction was co convinced this was the accumulation of a long con. Out of this whole scam artist story, there ends up being nothing more disturbing than this move, a local woman said. A man who coached brothers to son in football wrote, they were in over their heads from day one. The application was drawn for the neighbors who had learned about the watcher from a lawsuit and had always found it strange that the brothers didn't share more information, not seeming to understand that they were following orders from the police and trying to protect their kids. A typical Facebook conversation looked like this. Sound like this whole watcher thing was a ploy. The owners are good people, not a ploy. Okay, I know nothing about them. Christian Kemp, a friend of the Brodus's, had tried to defend him on one Facebook forum, but people started tagging her. Somebody said, somebody asked, how do we know it's not your writing, not you writing the letters? Kemp told me. Hmm. Good question. Because it is a woman's handwriting, so the watcher is a woman. Um, when the planning board met to decide the application in January 2017, it had already devoted a three-hour-long hearing to the issue. More than 100 residents showed up. One of them who lived across the street and had a daughter in the same grade as one of the brothers' kids had retained a lawyer to fight the proposal. Here was a new suspect who, but the watcher, would go so far to hire an attorney to preserve the house. 
After a quick discussion about a Wells Fargo branch that wanted to use brighter light bulbs than the town allowed, the room grew as tense as the suburban planning board meeting gets. James Forrest, the Brodus's attorney, explained that three-foot exemption was as narrow as the easel he was using to display a map of the neighborhood, a map that showed several lots on the block that were also too small. The neighbors expressed concern that the plan might require knocking down trees and that the new home would have aesthetically unpleasing front-facing garages. Forrest repeatedly threatened the halfway houses as possible alternatives. So in other words, it's either you fixed it and you changed it, or you're gonna have criminals in your neighborhood and then it's gonna totally bring the property down. Property value down. This is so like suburban. This is a very suburban situation. Like, we would rather destroy your reputation than to admit that there's somebody dangerous in the neighborhood. Y'all funny. Y'all a mess and funny nigga. After the lawyers of parade and neighbors stood to speak, Glenn Dumont from across the street said the proposal would spell the end of the 600 block of Boulevard as we know it. A woman whose kids has been to the brothers' home for a birthday party spoke on behalf of nine neighbors and presented 657 Boulevard as Westfield Alamo. Our neighborhoods are constantly under attack from turf lights, parking decks, and your name it. She says, if we can't make a stand on the boulevard, what can we? At one point, Abby Langford stood up to say she had spent 60 years looking at a magnificent, beautiful home and didn't want to be looking out at a driveway. Girl. If it's not you and your schizophrenic brother, who is it? The hearing lasted four hours during which there was little discussion of the reason that the Brodices had been driving to tear down their dream home in the first place. Had anybody thought about whether or not this lunatic who did this had been apprehended, said Tom Higgins, who lived across the street toward the end of the hearing. Even so, Higgins pointed out that there was no guarantee the watcher could send letters to the two new houses and argued that his aesthetics should rule the day. Putting up two houses there is going to stick out like an old client of mine in Texas told me. Higgins said, It's going to stick out like a dog's balls. With some of the neighbors expressed compassion, their focus remained on what the brothers stood to gain financially and what they themselves might lose. Yeah, because we don't care about you. What you lose. It's about us. It's about our property value. It's about making sure everybody know to make Westfield safe again. All right. This is a campaign of making sure make Westfield great again. All right. This is Mayberry, you guys. You cannot ruin the aesthetic of it being Mayberry. We got to keep it being Mayberry. I'm going to keep on going. At 11.30 p.m., the board unanimously rejected the proposal. A New Jersey judge later denied the Brodus' appeal of the decision. Jerry and Marina were distraught. Even if the plan had gone through, it would have only stanched their financial bleeding. On top of the mortgage and renovation, they had paid around $100,000 in Westfield property taxes. The town denied their request for relief and spent at least that amount investigating the watcher and exploit ways to deal with the home, not to mention cleaning the gutters. Their Brodus' Recognize that the 6657 Boulevard was a beautiful home, a beautiful street that was worth maintaining, but we're surprised their neighbors didn't see the uniqueness of the situation. This is my town, Maria told me recently. I grew up here, I came back, and I chose to raise my kids here. 
you know what we've been through you had the ability to two and a half years into a nightmare to make it a little bit better you have decided that the house is more important than we are that's really how it felt on top of all that her dad had recently died unexpectedly father michael superito the priest who blessed the house went to one of the planned board meetings and told me that he was taken aback about how many people had come up with come up to him and said they thought the whole thing was a hoax i think the human element of the story was kind of lost on the neighbors separito said the watcher had experienced a desire to protect the boulevards from change but instead it had been torn apart not long after the planning board decision the brothers got some good news a family with growing children and two big dogs had agreed to rent 657 boulevard the renter told the Star Ledgers he wasn't worried about the Watcher, though he had a clause in the lease that let him out in the case of another letter. to deal with squirrels and they had taken up residence in the roof. The renter handed him an envelope that had just arrived. Violet wind and bitter cold to the vilest faithful Derek and his rich uncle wife, Maria. Look, man, you know, if you ain't scared and you want to threaten me, let's fight. Come on, be, 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 a, be, be a man or a woman and let's fight. Let's do it like we did back in the day. Take your shoes off, take your earrings off, Vaseline, let's go. letter two and a half years after the watcher appeared came out of nowhere it was dated february 13th the day the brothers gave a deposition in the lawsuit against the woods you wonder who the watcher is Ugh, the woods are a suspect turn around idiots the letter read maybe you even spoke to me one of one of the so-called neighbors who had no idea who the watcher could be or maybe you do know and are too scared to tell anyone good move or maybe you do know and are too scared to tell it oh no Okay, but sorry. The letter was less stylish and more wrathful than the other, and it seemed the writer had been closely following the story. They had seen the media coverage. I walked by the news truck when it took over my neighborhood and mocked me. Derek Sarit investigatory effort. I watched as you watched from the dark house in an attempt to find me. Telescopes and binoculars are wonderful inventions. And they attempted to tear down the house, 657 Boulevard, survived your attempt assault and stood strong with an army of supporters barricade its gates, the letter read. My soldiers of Boulevard follow my orders to a to a T. They carry out their mission and save the souls of 657 Boulevard with my orders. All hail the watcher. The renter was mentioned. He was spooked by the agreed to stay at the brothers and install cameras around the house. And the letter indicated revenge could come in many forms. Maybe a car accident. Maybe a fire. Maybe something as simple as a mild illness that never seemed to go away but make you feel sick day after day after day after day. Maybe the mysterious death of a pet. Loved ones suddenly die. Planes and cars and bicycle crashes. Bones break. They'll have creeped me out because once again, didn't Maria's father pass away as well? Like I said, if you want to fight, just say it. We can fight. <laughs> I don't understand this. It's like, to me, at this point, 
You're a coward. You're a coward, friend. You are a severe coward. <laughs> You're a coward. If it was like we were back at the beginning, said Maria, but it also meant fresh evidence that might help invigorate the investigation. Derek told the letter, took the letter to the police headquarters where the detective looked at the neighbor's map and traced a circle around the house 300 yards in diameter, suggesting the watcher must be somewhere in there. Derek drew much, one much closer. In my view, it's one of 10 houses in the world, he said. The brothers just continued to press the case, but there still wasn't much for law enforcement to go on. And it was possible to look up and down the street and see the watchers in practical in, in practically anyway. Resident mentioned to me a teenager whose father had grown up around the corner and a man who sometimes walked around the neighborhood playing a flute. An ugly couple behind the house had been there for 47 years. The husband was the man Bill Woodward had seen sitting in a lawn chair looking at the Brodus's house. One of their children had married and grew up in, in of all places, 657 Boulevard. But there was a bit of information that could mean everything or nothing depending on how hard you look at them. The Brodus's sent new names to the investigator whenever they found something odd, but their greatest fear was the watcher could be someone they'd never suspect. It was the dog. <laughs> this is not funny, and I don't find this to be funny, but it is always somebody you would never expect. One day last spring, Derek picked up the Westfield train station. We drove past 657 Boulevard, which he and Maria tried to avoid unless they had to pick up the tax bills. It's all beautiful trees and beautiful houses, but all of the all I feel is anxiety, Derek said. Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night thinking, what would my life be like if this didn't happen? We lost Christmas a couple times and you don't get that back. Christmas with a five-year-old. Yeah, Christmas with a five-year-old is supposed to be lit. Y'all ruined all them years of that. Let me continue. The Brodus's no longer live in every present. Fear that the watcher might strike at any moment, but they continue to deal with the lingering effect of the, from the letters. They had new tenants, X657, but the rent doesn't cover the mortgage. The kids are occasionally teased at school, and the conspiratorial rumor persists. They tried to avoid the people who spoke out against their planning board application and accused them of being con artists, but suburban life make that impossible. I see these people on the soccer field at the train station and my heart starts going, going like it did when I played hockey and was about to get in the fight. Derek said when Maria found herself in a spin class at YMCA with the head of the planning board, she went up afterwards and told him, you continue to hurt my family every day. Earlier this year, the planning board approved splitting a lot around the corner that required an even larger exception than the Brodus's. Most people in Westfield told me they really thought of the watcher anymore. The real estate market was going fine, and for one, many were surprised to find out that the Brodus's were still dealing with the problem. Hindsight made Derek and Maria wonder if they should have sold the house at lost early on, and the 657 Boulevard conjured, conjured too, me, too much emotional pain for them to could even consider moving in. They hoped that a few years of renting the place without incidents will help them sell it. The prosecutor's office was continued to investigation, but the Brodison knew it was unlikely the weather, the watcher would ever be caught, and the legal punishment would likely be minimal. Well, yeah, unfortunately, he threatened, but he never did anything. The watcher was also no longer the person sending anonymous letter in Westfield. Last Christmas, several families received an envelope in their mailbox. 
They have been delivered by hand to the home of people who had been the most vocal in criticizing the roses online. One of them who live a few blocks down on Boulevard had written on Facebook, I wish we could go back to the days of tar and feather. I had just I had just the couple in mind. Another family who got the letter told me it was weirdly poetic as the watcher had been and that he had accused the family of speculating inaccurately about the roses. It includes several stories about recent acts of domestic terrorism in which signs of ruined mental illnesses had gone unnoticed. The type letters were signed, Friend of the Brodesons. The letter writing had clearly been affected not only with the watcher letter, The letter writer had clearly been affected not only with the with the watcher's pension for anonymous notes, but also similar resentment. One that had snaked its way through the Westfield, making enemies of neighbors. The people who received the letters didn't know who sent them, but the tone had a familiar ring to it. When I asked Derek Brodus whether he had written them, he had paused for a moment, then he admitted he had. He wasn't proud of it. He hadn't even told his wife. He said they were only anonymous letters he'd written. But he had felt driven to his wit end by fed up fed up with watching silently as people threw accusation to his family based on practically nothing. One of the people who received the letters told me they had never met the Brotuses and had no interest in doing so. The Watcher had been obsessed with 657 Boulevard and Derek in turn had become obsessed with the Watcher and everything the letter had set in. Motion is like cancer, he told me. We think about it every day. Sitting at the Westfield train station, Derek handed me this phone so I could read the fourth letter. You were despised by the house, it read, and the Watcher won. Oh my god. You know I'm gonna get my little ten cents nah about this. I have to. The thing I'm gonna say is this. The neighborhood already hates you because you know they feel like you're bringing the property value down and you make it in a circus and all that, all that, all that. So people are not really fucking with you, right? But for you to write a letter made not only the situation worse. But you further prove that you could be conning people and lying about the whole situation. Um, I don't know who could have written the letter. And like I said, the husband, Derek, wrote this. He didn't make it any better. 
um, is 2021. This article was written in 2018. I don't know what happened to the Brodices or what's going on with the Brodices. Um, I hope nothing bad has happened to them. Maybe I can look and see if something bad has happened to the Brodices. I don't know. Um, let's see. So I found an article that is recent, as recent as October 15th, 2020. And it's from allthatisinteresting.com. It says, inside the smoky watch house that terrorizes a wealthy family, wealthy New Jersey family. market the watchers house finally sold in 2019 with Brodus's taking a $440,000 loss as for the theory that the Brodus's fake the watcher Derek Brodus flatly denies them as he told the cut this person attacked my family and where I'm from if you do that you get your ass beat so there's a silver lining for the family however according to deadline Netflix bought the rights to their creepy tale in 2019 and that and now that you've read about the mysterious Watcher's House of Miskwood, New Jersey, read about the house that, house that inspired The Conjuring. Okay, so that's something else. So they finally got to sell the house, but they lost $440,000 from it. So, yeah. neighbors were dead wrong and I do feel like the neighborhood was cracking on them I don't know why I don't know it's something weird or maybe the husband had enemies or maybe the wife had enemies maybe it was an ex-boyfriend who was jealous of her I don't know it's weird <sighs> y'all 
this is quite a conundrum. Um, <laughs> it pisses me off because they didn't get to get, they didn't get an aha, and I told you so in the end. Um, somebody was harassing them, but it definitely was somebody in the neighborhood. I don't know who teenage child was doing it. I don't know if it was some elderly man who was bored with himself that was doing it. Matter of fact, they say it was a woman, so it could have been some bitter woman, somebody, um, uh, Derek's ex-girlfriend, something like that. They could have done it. We don't know. With that being said, um, thank you guys for listening to my podcast. I know this is, is going to be a very long one, but it's a very interesting story. Um, if you want to watch it in video, um, because I watched it, um, on BuzzFeed, it would definitely be nice to watch it on BuzzFeed. I mean, how they describe the whole situation. And, um, I'm not quite sure if they have the TV show to watch it yet. I know that they said Netflix is supposed to be producing it. Um, but make sure y'all tune in to watch the show if it's about the watcher. I'm pretty sure that Ryan Murphy is going to have a very messed up view of this. Um, but it's probably going to be exaggerated. Um, so y'all make sure y'all tune in to when they finally decide to, to do the show called The Watcher. With that being said, this is My Mind Emporium. Thank you for listening to my podcast. I am like Audi 3000. And I will be back tomorrow with another topic. Let me look at what my topic is, Lenny. Um, my next topic is, oh, honey, not my Netflix announcing its own. My next topic will be about Young Buck, because it's Thirsty Thursday. We're going to talk about his uh, situation with the transgender and him swearing up and down he did not know it was a transgender thank you guys for listening